gonna yeah. start thinking of answers before yeah. I get there, and totally. I don't like to do that. You know? can. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm just like my natural, like you know, always try to stay on top of stuff. Like mentality would be like, okay, let's read them and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. come up with some good bullet bit. points and shit. Nah, nah, cause I, I don't know. And anything that goes off the rails, we're let it out. And we're just all the point of this is just to clip it up. We put it in our newsletter. We get it on socials. Yeah. We boost it up. We'll yeah. get your product in. Sweet. That kind of shit. So. Sweet. Sweet. Try, we're still figuring this all out. We're uh, six months into this game, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank trying, you. Trying to figure out what moves the needle. Like, I pl- unplugged a bunch of shit in the last few weeks and nothing's changed. And I'm like, Really, I don't eh? know what's going on. Yeah, I just like marketing stuff, like yeah. changing up s- strategies and yeah. It's definitely a, a weird, murky industry, man. Holy fuck. Yeah, I feel like there's there is a roadmap. I just don't know if everybody's figured it out yet. Yeah, you know I'm what I mean. To get like there. I've been kind of like you know looking at the market in different ways, and that's kind of how I come to. I'm like, someone's there's gonna be a handful of people that really figure it out. You know what I mean? Uh, um, I don't know. A lot of people just have strong opinions on the market right now, and it's like. We're in an open market. Yeah, yeah. It was a regulated, it was like a unregulated, you know, black market before. So like it right. was easy to win. Yeah. And what do we think? Like you start this up and it's going to be sunshine and rainbows right away. And like, it's, oh my God, we're all making money. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, nothing no, works it's, like that. It's, it's just like any other open market. Totally. Yeah. You know, totally. There's going to be people come in and compete for the top spot and battle for, for as much of the market share as they can. And yeah. And they're all different capitalized, different strategies. Oh, Value buds is different yeah. than this dude down there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the world we live in. You guys good? Yeah. All right, I let's guess do we st- it. I guess we started without you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are we rolling? <laughs> you good? <laughs> Start whenever? All right. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to the Everything Cannabis Podcast presented by Kindling. I'm your host, Michael Davis, and I founded Kindling so you can order legal cannabis on demand for free. I'm very excited to introduce you to our next guest, Josh Rutledge. He's the visionary behind The Drip, an exciting new cannabis brand that's making waves in Ontario. Josh's deep-rooted passion for cannabis cultivation began in his youth, and he's achieved numerous awards and recognition throughout his journey. With a profound connection to the plant, he's arrived at this high point in his career. We're thrilled to have him on the show to delve into his industry journey and get a closer look at The Drip. Josh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. For sure. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. I uh, I think we should probably start with a little bit of uh, background on uh, on you, how you got uh, started in the industry, and maybe a little bit about yourself. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, started you know, kind of smoking and stuff like that. You know, as a, or you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, kind of that young young part of my life, right? And then um, kind of found cultivation. I was probably fifteen, maybe or sixteen or something like that. Um, and yeah, we kind of just, you know, just slowly like started to figure it out, but obviously at being 15 or 16, like you're doing something that's at the time decently illegal, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, there's this like, I don't know, this kind of excitement around, yeah. you know, so trying something new that at the time, obviously you're not supposed to. And if you're a heavy consumer, then it's like, Hey man, I can grow this weed instead of buy it all the time. Like yeah. that'd be cool, you know? And, and it quickly escalated to you know, okay, looking into genetics and, you know, obviously you got to think that's like pre-2000, like late 90s. So there is some people that had some stuff that were yeah. like, oh, this is this strain, this is that strain. But for the most part, it was kind of just like whatever the plug had is what you got. Totally. You know, and 
Um, so that was like the first kind of like part of my life where I was like, hey, like there's, there's other options out here, you know? So we started kind of like, there's a group of us that were, um, you know, looking into like all the stuff coming over from Holland and like, there's a there's actually a super dope spot down on Lakeshore. Um, it's called the Hidden Jungle. And it was like this like dope head shop, but they just had catalog of all the seed stock from all the big vendors over in Holland and different places, right? So, yeah. but like that was the days where it was like, if you wanted to order seeds, you had to fill out like a form <laughs> and check off the boxes of the things you wanted right? and put a money in there, a money order, whatever, and yeah. mail it to the company. Wow. Right. You know what I mean? It was yeah, like yeah, pre, yeah. you know, pre totally. like being able to just jump on an e-commerce site and order something. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like where I would say like the cultivation thing really kind of like kicked off. Once I started kind of like diving in a little bit at that point, it was, it was hard to turn back from there. Totally. I, remember, I remember like being like 15 or 16 and, we didn't have much going on, just like a small little closet, you know, but like I spent like hours just sitting and looking at plants that were right. not even flower. You know yeah. what I mean? I just, just like, a, a dirt. Yeah, <laughs> literally. And I was just like, I was so consumed, you know, like, and I realized pretty quickly that I enjoyed growing more than I enjoyed consuming. And I mean, I consumed a lot of, lot of smoke at that time, you know, like I smoke a lot less now than I did at that point in my life. But, um, I realized pretty quickly that like cultivation drew me in even more than consumption did. Right. You know? So um, that was kind of where it kicked off. And then a couple of years after that, we got ourselves in shit and I had to stop growing for a while. Um, so what was it that, uh, so you mentioned you're like 15, 16. So you're consuming a bit of uh, a bit and are looking at getting into cultivation. So like, what does that look like? What's the sort of spark that you're like, Oh fuck, this is, this is what I'm into. This is the thing. Like, I don't know. I've always been like one of those people that's just like, you know, like they're curious, like they want to learn. They want yeah. it like, so at that point in time, like the, the main literature you get your hands on was like high times magazines. Right. So right. it was just like, you waited for the new month article to come out, you know, and then you go and you scoop it and you read through and then you see these guys doing crazy grows and growing these crazy buds you've never seen before, you yeah. know? So that like really like, spark the like hey like i i really like this you know yeah. like there's so many like possibilities the possibilities are endless right you know when it comes to you know cultivation and genetics and all these kind of things right so it was at that time it was super exciting i mean to me it's yeah. still super exciting yeah, right yeah. but um you know i feel like er, your early years like your early like teen years you know like between the age of 10 and say like 17 or 18 i feel like you're like super like moldable and a lot of yeah. the things that you fall into in those points in your life like stick with you for your whole like, life you know what i mean like you just yeah. have this like romantic experience that like draws you in you know like still to this day there's this lake that we started growing growing on in the muskokas and like still to this day when we roll up there with the boat i still get the same butterflies i did when we were like eight years old or seven years old going to the cottage you know nice. it's like so that's it it kind of fell into that same point in my life where it was like you know this was like a magical time in my life and this was the thing that I was most excited about, you know, the so seeds it, of a passion are sort of, that's it. Right. right? Yeah. You know, it's like not, not, not many head. people do things like and chase dreams down, you know, that they didn't start when they were kids. I mean, people like right. get this dream at like mid thirties and go, I'm going to chase this down. You know, yeah. most people, it's like they had some like connection with it at a young right. age and it like became this like kind of built in, you know, like passion that like, right. no matter what the ups and downs look like, like it's still there. You and know? so what turned you on about the process of it? Was it sort of like seeing like a, a end product and working it backwards in terms um, of like 
what's the sort of genetics what's the I grow think, i think for me like early on it was just like because anybody that's that's spent some time growing understands like especially in those days like there's no information so it was it was a long hard road to learn right so right. for me it was just like the excitement of like you know like the challenge of figuring it out right yeah, you yeah. know like fuck go to go to chapters or wherever and like ask them to order you in like the grow a Jorge Hernandez <laughs> grow Bible or something. You know what I mean? But like that's what you had to do, right? Yeah. So no one else was doing it, right? Yeah. There was like me and a couple other like buddies that were like, "Listen, kinda, Janet, I need this. Yeah, order it for me, right? You know, and they're like, "Oh, okay." They're looking at you sideways. Yeah, think, totally. Man, it's just like, you know, a lot of people don't re- like understand what it was like, right? You know, in the like late '90s, early 2000s to grow weed. It was fucking people like were pretty quiet about it. No one want to talk about it. You right, know? right, right. So, and did you? I feel like that's the best way to do it anything is just to start doing it and then you make those mistakes versus like now you can go okay and like research for nine years about the best cultivation methods and then before you know it, you've done nothing and like you know what i mean versus like this approach where you're just diving head in, headlong into yeah, it. yeah i mean like bit. those those early the early years of it were were definitely just trial and error you know what i mean like learn what you could here and there but i mean now like cultivation now is a whole different you know like the the guys that are doing it well and know what they're doing like it's essentially large large ag at this point um, everything's database, everything's science based. Like, there's no like, oh, walk in and there's like, no touch feel. Oh, I mean, there of. still is, right? There right. still is that okay. that that piece, right? But like to scale and keep consistency, um, right? Is the data points are very important, right? So if you don't have constant eyes on what's going on on the data piece, yeah, it's really it's hard to go in and look at every single plan and go, I see this, this, this. It's okay in a in a small facility. It's hard at scale, right? Gotcha. So. Those data points are essentially your eyes. Right. Um, so, you know, some people still grow off of, like, feel. They hand water and they go in and they, like, look, oh, this plant needs this, this plant needs that. But those guys probably aren't looking to make a profit on it. They're probably looking well, for... There is guys that are in the market right now that that's how they grow, right? And, I mean, like, all the power to them. If that's something I, I, I feel is too high risk for me. Do you know what I mean? That scale, like, to me, right. like, that whole, like touch and feel model like it's it's scary to me yeah why why though um just because so like for example we we use a drip irrigation system on everything we do um if a dripper if if your drip line goes down or you have a couple drippers clogged or something like that um or let's say like an irrigation section goes down um depending on what substrate you grow in you're not gonna see that visually until it's already cause damage to the crop gotcha. like you can recover from it some mm-hmm. some things right but mm-hmm. like so let's say for example if you grow in rock wool rock wool is like a substrate that's um it has a certain like initial uh, water volume holding um when you first saturate it um but it has high, high uh, hydrophobic properties that if it dries down below a certain percentage you can never re-wet it up to the top oh yeah right so if you make a mistake and you miss that and you don't see it with your eyes now you're chasing the rest of the run to try to like work in a substrate that's essentially half the size that you thought you were starting with gotcha. right so when we we plan cultivation it's like plant size compared to substrate size have to match if not i can't control my drybacks from start to, you know my last irrigation to my start of my next one the next day right and then now i'm in a situation where i have to water when i don't want to just so i can keep the plant healthy gotcha. right yep. so there's a lot of things like that where it's like the data points i would have seen that the second it didn't water, I would have got a notification saying, hey, you're below X water content that you should be at. Here's your range for today. Gotcha. You're below it. Go figure out what's going on. You know what I mean? You got yep. some issues right now, right? So, That's interesting. I've, uh, I've talked to uh, – we've talked 
talked to a few growers and uh, I'm obviously a novice in, in the space, but um, it seems to be there's a certain archetype. Like you guys have a an engineering mindset, but also this sort of like artistic touch and feel. Um, and it's sort of undergirded with this passion for the plant. And I don't know what that is or like if there's a certain like school or college you guys go to, but like the way you're talking about this shit and like, um, you know, while you're smoking a joint, it's, it's crazy. Well, you know what? Full, trans- full transparency, bro. <laughs> high school dropout, man. That's what I mean. Like, high yeah. school dropout. Like I didn't, I don't think I read an entire book until I was like into my late teens and, and the book I read was about growing weed. <laughs> Literally, I, I never <laughs> completed a book like through high school, nothing. I never read an entire book. And then from the age of like 18 to 25, I probably consumed... I don't know. I try to read like four books a month or something like that. I try and read a book a week, yeah, whether yeah. it's through like an audio, like an audio right. or, or actually hard copy. But like, yeah, this, the, the education piece, like afterwards is it's yeah. the only way like to succeed, especially again in, in cultivation. Yeah. Like there's so much knowledge out there now that if you're not, like if you're not putting the time in and like putting the effort in to learn, like even if you're the best right now, if you're not putting in the time to learn to see what everybody else is doing and like see where you can go next, mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time before you're left behind. And so speaking to that, is there sort of like over time a philosophy or strategy you bring to cultivation where you could kind of look at another grower and go, well, you know, that's your thing, but I go left here at this intersection, whereas you go right. Like you mentioned the drip approach or whatever. Yeah, 100%. Um, Like for... For uh, we like I say we we're, we're a database cultivation tech. That's what we do. All our decisions are made on huh. majority of the decisions are based on the data. Um, there's a lot of cultivators that grow different ways. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. Like there's a, a zillion ways to grow, and a, a lot of them are really good. You know, like the way that we choose is just the way that we feel the most comfortable and feel that right. we can, you know, achieve the most consistent end end product. Right. And that's the thing for us, right? That's why we like to use like a hydroponic substrate. Um, I have full control of what's going on in that root zone at all times, so which which gives me the ability to create consistency, and that's where the data piece comes in too, right? It's like I can take a data set from a full cultivation run, you know, and if it was really successful, we can look back through the data and say like, what were the the key points, metrics along the way that like got us to this yeah. end result, you know? Okay, we the, the flower turned it a little bit more galaxy, a little bit more generative looking this run. Why was that? Okay, well, let's look back through the data. Okay, here, we steered this a little more this way or that way. Yeah. Right? And it helps us, like, once I can narrow, narrow that in, then I can take that and I can scale it across different facilities, right? As long as they have the ability to hit the parameters that we want to hit. Mm-hmm. So as long as their HVAC is strong and they've got the right irrigation, right, we can create really re- repeatable results. Gotcha. Well, that's where I find, like, this space right now is, is like, in shambles. Like, one week you'll get a batch of something that's really good yep. and then like yep. a month later that batch was like mediocre at best yep you know and and that's just a consistency issue where either it's coming from a different grow or because they don't have the data piece you know they they're missed. not able to replicate they, that yeah, success it, it, it's they saw really before. hard yeah it's really hard without gotcha. it you know so that's, that's why I, that's how that's why we grow from that standpoint um just because we feel like the, the best growers in the world are large ag right hmm. they, they've spent they spent all their time money research everything they can do because you got to look at the margins in large ag for vegetables and stuff like that it's so narrow right you need to get every little bit you can right you know to do well where we, we're working with a cash crop that's very valuable so you can get by by being 50 percent efficient gotcha do you know what i mean yep, where those absolutely. guys they can't so it's like who am i going to study i'm going to study the guys that that have to execute to the 100th percentile right. to be profitable yep why am i not going to look what they do and figure out how they do things and then and that's what we've done and then basically manipulate it for the cannabis plant specifically right but and is that how much 
you know, sort of percentage would you attribute to like data and hardcore sort of like engineering and systems? And how much would you attribute to like your vision and, and sort of the art side? Probably of it? 50-50. Really? Yeah, because, because all the data and all the stuff gives me the ability to execute. At the end of the day, it's my job to make a decision on what to do with the data. Totally. Right? You know what I mean? So like right. I've still got to make the decision on how to manipulate the got plan it. or manipulate the run, you know, to get a certain result that I'm looking for. Right. Um, but without the data there, I'm just guessing I'm in the dark. I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, not to get too nerdy on this, but it interests me. Like, is there <laughs> is there an endpoint to like where you you've developed a crop? Like, do you have KPIs or like you know numbers that you're trying to hit with this particular crop? And then you you know you're like, okay, we got it, check harvest kind of thing. Or is it sort of like it's touch and feel? You see the numbers come back. You're like, you know what? Let's let's add this, subtract that, and you know what I mean. So like the part of it that's not data driven for us is the end product. Yeah, like. I don't make our decisions based on what we think is going to give us the highest THC. I give it, you know, based on what we think is going to give us the best quality product at the end. Yep. So that is the one piece of the process for us that like spin it up, smoke it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Make and that's decision. where the, the sort of human element, make 50%. A decision, like, was this the, was this the batch? Was this the run? You know what I mean? Like, is gotcha. this the one that we want to dial in and, and continue down this path or, right on. you know, so that's the part that's, that's definitely more, you know, away from the data piece right but totally um i want to get into the drip uh i want to get into like your vision for it but i guess we have to we should talk about sort of the story i know you've started okay. a ton of different um yeah, so entities you've got lush cannabis that's a retailer yeah. um tell me about the sort of business side of this thing. so i mean like to go back to kind of where we were left off i was growing i got i got popped stopped growing for a while um and i started another business so I ran another business in the sports training industry for nice. probably 15 years um, really? before I came back to the cannabis space. Huh. Yeah. So we spent some time away from it um, and then kind of circled back and it was always like my passion. So I always right. wanted to go back to it. And then basically when they introduced the ACMPR medical program where it was kind of like, Hey, anybody can get a license. I'm like, okay, well that's a no brainer for me. You know what I mean? I was already, I was, I was consuming, you know, for more medical purposes at that time in my life. Um, I guess I still do, but, um, that was kind of like what steered me back towards cultivation and getting back into it. And that was like when I really started to dive in and study and like seriously, really, really educate myself. Way. Right. Um, and yeah, the, the, the goal was we want to take lush to the cultivation side and that was like early legalization. So, um, most, most people that were in the space and cultivation at that time were like, you know liberal party x you know what i mean we're, yep. we're talking people that like have all the strings to pull yeah and we're just like some black market guys that are like hey how do we grow weed in the legal market right gotcha. so needless to say we were not ready for that at the time i'm happy it didn't happen because we weren't ready at the time you know what i mean like i know now yeah, and i yeah. thought i was game right i realized now would have been a massive failure anyways but <laughs> yeah so then we transitioned the lush brand from from a flower brand to retail um and all this at the same time, I was obviously still cultivating during that time. Mm -hmm. um, and the market for the indigenous um, side of things was really strong for a while. So we kind of just stayed over there and just kind of hid in the shadows, no yep. branding, no nothing, like just grow a good flower. We had like a good, good relationship with, uh, you know, someone that kind of had a lot of connections in the space, who's actually my partner on a retails now. Um, so that relationship kind of like carried us through for a while 
and then um, that market kind of took a bit of a nosedive pretty heavily, right? Why was that? Um, a lot of factors. A lot of factors. Yeah. I mean, legalization. Right. Um, you had probably the peak amount of like medical licenses, like ACMPR medical licenses out there. There's a lot of people that were doing really big scale, like greenhouse like stuff. So that that like market got really saturated. Really, everybody realized, hey, there's like a wholesale market that's really accessible. Let's right. try and meet that demand, right? You yeah. know, and then it came crumbling down pretty quick. And I was like, okay, like we need to do something on a brand standpoint. That's the only way that, like, we were known at the time for having the best flower, right? But without a brand behind it that the end consumer could like reach for, that really there's no that much value in our product, right? right? It's just it, if the market is fluctuating. Like if in your, you don't have a brand presence where you have a loyalty to your brand, then you're yeah. just like at the mercy of the market. Right. Totally. You're not, you're not going to like be able to like hold, say this is our price point and this is where we are. I don't care if what the market says, this is who we are and this is our price point. Right. It's, yeah. If you have a brand that's in demand, you can do that. Right. Right. If you don't, you're kind of like, well, that's what packs are going for. This is what we're selling for, you know, yeah. like, right. So that was the kind of like thing that huh. pushed me towards building a brand instead of like, being kind of hidden in the shadows, I was like, I realized right. pretty quick. I'm like, this isn't going to work if we don't, you know, build some demand for our flower specifically. And build some equity in an entity versus sort of like, That's right. That's you know, right. this so. fleeting. And so like in, in terms of building demand before branding, um, it's really just all about product. It's yeah. there's absolutely nothing to do with, you know, digital marketing or, you know, brand identity or anything. It's yeah. literally just balls to the wall, fucking make a great product, let it do its work. That's Either it. Your product speaks or it doesn't. That's right. It. That was the, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so that like helped us too, because it was like our first focus was that not brand building, not, you know, any public appearances, not, you know what I mean? Podcasts. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, but like, like all of it, like I never did any of this stuff. Right. Like my other business that I ran before, like I said, was sports training. It was and it was, was like pre-social media uh-huh. like I mean just social media but like it started you know before Twitter like Instagram was really Instagram you know yeah, yeah. Facebook was a thing gotcha. right but nobody was really like targeting like marketing really hard on social at the time when so this was like a whole new like approach. ball game approach of like hey how do we how do we enter this market you know how do we make enough noise that people can at least start to look and see what's going on you know like take note of us at least right so, and honestly, like we were talking about earlier, like I feel like there's a br- blueprint. I don't think anybody's really figured it out yet. No. Um, I s- spent a lot of hours, thought long and hard about like, you know, how to enter a market like this that's in the state that it's in and, you know, be able to get some penetration and some recognition pretty quick. And, and there's a lot of factors that go into it, right? So, um, but for us, it was, we were a legacy at the time and we started to build the brand out on the legacy side and um, you know, OCS did a product call and everything they were asking for in the product call was exactly what we had to offer. So like we weren't ready to move yet. I was quite content where we were yeah. and I didn't have cultivation set up in the legal space yet. So I knew we're taking a risk because we're jumping over with our brand without right. our flower. Ah, uh, God, yeah. And that scares the hell out of me. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, like I can a, imagine. My, my whole life revolves around finding fire genetics and growing the best weed I can and now I build this brand and I start to get recognition and then I'm going to jump into another, another market and trust someone else's product in it is stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's scary as all hell. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that's like jumping off a cliff there. Like you have, you're, you're doing great. You're, you know, uh, 
without a brand and then you're having to go legal you're gonna have to get licensed get a corporate entity and then figure out this branding thing all in a market that's fucking wacky yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a scary it's a scary proposition right but i don't know for us it was kind of a no-brainer it was like hey like we want to build this brand we want totally. we and want that was lush right that's the lush no, so brand. no so that was that was the drip Okay. So Lush, we had already launched into the retail market. It's we've had, I think we're almost two years now in the retail space. Right. Um, so I had that experience too. That that played a big role in like how I approached the launch of the drip. Totally. You know what I mean? Like when you get to see end consumer behavior, you understand the processes of what it's like to be basically as a as a brand as a producer. Like my, I have two customers. I have an end end consumer customer, but then I also have a third party customer who's the retailer. Right. So I have to be able to yeah. market and speak to both of those audiences. Yeah. Right. Totally. Where if I if I was just growing and I never had the retail experience, my automatic assumption would just be like, oh, we just got to get the end consumer when that's not really the case. Uh-huh. Like I understand the importance now of building relationships with retailers. Right. Because they're the ones that are educating the end consumer about who we are and what our product is. And, you know, like totally. if we don't have that piece in there where we can speak to them. You know what I mean? And the end Absolutely. consumer piece is hard to touch. And what's right? what's sort of the experiences or like takeaways from that? So you, you you're in retail. What what's a learning that you would take away? Like, because as a grower, you have to add value to the consumer and to the retailer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you know, what was one big my takeaway? Biggest, takeaway? My biggest takeaways. Um, I'd say the the one biggest takeaway that I that I took from it, um, and it also happened at the same time as we were doing our e-commerce for the drip on the legacy side. Um, something fire would drop, right? And then the weed would stay fire and sales would drop off over a few months, six months, whatever. So like, it was the hottest selling product. It was the best flower we had in store. Uh-huh. It stayed the best flower, but sales numbers came down, right? And at the same time, we launched the Flavor Club on our e-commerce platform. So the, the premise behind the Flavor Club was because we do so much, we pheno hunt about a thousand seeds a year. So we do so much pheno hunting that we wanted to share some of the work that we were doing, which it was hard before because it's like we only have one or two plants of something. Right. It's hard to like commercialize that, right? Yeah. So what we did was, okay, well, we'll just list all the phenos that we think are good. Like some will be amazing. Mm-hmm. Some will be end, be our end, end keepers. Some will just be good. Anything mm-hmm. that we don't think is good, we won't list. We'd list those. You can pick seven or sorry, four flavors, seven grams each, and that's an ounce, your ounce for you. Yep, yep, right? yep. So we had a menu that we thought was our best flower, our keepers, and then we had a menu that was all these randoms and you don't know what you're going to get. You can pick what you want, but you don't know how good it's going to be, mm-hmm. right? And they're the same price. Mm-hmm. The random one outsold our regular menu two to one. Gotcha. So you're getting, so the takeaway is like customer behavior is very odd it's unpredictable no it's not that it's it's that there's a big demand for new new. that's what i mean like you see like this pop it's not necessarily quality it's like this new innovation it's something new it's something different or whatever everybody wants a new flavor Uh, right so like if you're a daily smoker you know like most daily smokers are gonna you know lean towards trying a new flavor profile if they know it's going to be good yeah right as opposed to smoking the same thing even if the thing that they know is going to be good you know, is attainable and it's right there or accessible and it's right there. You're still going to 
That's interesting. But I mean, that's human nature, though. I right? was just about to say that's nature, like it just right? speaks like to human nature, not the weed game. It's just sort of yeah, like yeah, like there's a certain amount of certainty and uncertainty that you want right. in your life, and everybody's different on what that ratio looks like. Totally. You know, so it's like you know, variety is nice, right? Especially if you're a daily smoker that smokes all the time, uh-huh. right? Most people that smoke all day every day don't really get high. Like when I used to be like a heavy consumer, like I'm not as much of a consumer now as I was before. Uh-huh. But it was a heavy consumer. Like it didn't matter what I smoked. It was, was just the process. High. I wasn't getting high. It was the process, and I want a good flavor. Right, gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, I want something yeah. that tastes good. So if you're like, hey, I have this new one. It tastes like this. Fuck, cool. send it. Yeah, I want to try it. You know? like, <laughs> I, I know the other one I got last time was really good, and I liked it. But give me the new one. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's shitty, like, it's I don't know, but, but I'm and... willing to gamble on taking right, the yeah. new one, right? So, so for us, totally. our first release, the Flavor Club on OCS, is a rotative with that same premise as every three, two to three months, we're going to swap it. Right. Gotcha. So that and as we swap it, we'll we'll educate, you know, our buyers as well as our, our end consumers what the new one is. Right. And as something gets, let's say. So we're going to release our frosted frosted gas cake in the new year, which is a pretty special one. And that'll be our our first batch that we release of our own personal flower. Um, so for something like that, I'll, I'll run it for three months. Right. We'll leave it on the market for three months and then we'll take it away. Right. So mm-hmm. as sales numbers slowly start to come down, we'll introduce something new. Right. But then six months or nine months down the road, people say, Hey, what about that frosted gas cake? Where's that at? I say, Well, Up guess what? Again. It's dropping. You know what I mean? It's coming on <laughs> right, this right. date. You know what I mean? And we're going to show you the cultivation process from start to finish all the way through. And then you're going to, you know, and then you're going to have it at the end to consume. So you've right? taken this experience in retail at Lush. You've seen customer behavior or human behavior as we yep. deem it. Yep. You've then used that experience to develop a, uh, you call it a blueprint, I think, um, yeah. of how to, you know, cut through the noise, so to speak. And and it it's sort of embodied in the brand too, like um, uh, the fact that, it, yeah, it's, it's mirroring the customer, so to speak. But um, yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. The uh, one thing we do in every episode we have to talk about is the legacy to legal transition. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you experience, can you share your experience transitioning from legacy uh, uh, to legal in terms of like what I mean, we, I know we talked about yeah. sort of the rough edges of it, but uh, yeah, what was your sort of takeaway on it? I mean, originally I was kind of scared of it. Right. Like the initial thought is like it's something that's like challenging and overwhelming, you know, and then the more like I just looked into the process, the more I realized like, hey, like if we just build good partnerships and work with the right people. Like it's not this big of an undertaking to transition a brand over. You know, you just have to be willing to shut down what you're doing before with it and take the leap and take the leap. That's essentially, you know what I mean? Like, but my, my initial assessment of it was like, like, this is going to be really hard. Yeah. You know, and then the more I looked, I was more I was like, you know, what, like. I mean, as long as you're willing to educate yourself a bit, it's not it's not super difficult, right? I mean, but you also have to think, too, like we didn't build cultivation. We didn't go through a licensing process for cultivation, all that kind of stuff. You know, like all of our cultivation that's that you're going to see from us in market is going to be through partnerships, right? We do. We consult, right? So we've got access to some really nice facilities, but it's only it's only beneficial for them and us that I say, hey, like. You know, we'll we'll help you manage cultivation, right? And we'll also help you offload majority of the flour that comes. It, like it's it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's not, not a very hard sell, you know. Like no, we'll grow you really good weed, and then we'll also buy it from you. Right, right, right. Like okay, sick, you know. Like 
works so, for me. Yeah. So so that's that's the hurdle that I didn't have to overcome because I approached it Smart. from a different and point I, of view. Like yeah. I, early on, I wanted to own cultivation. Now I want nothing to do with totally. owning the assets that it requires to have cultivation. Like right. I'm much happier to provide a service and like use the tools that are in front of me. You know what I mean? But to own cultivation right now to me is scary. And if I was going to do it, it would be because I got something at 10 cents on the dollar on a distressed asset and we, yeah. we executed on it. You know what I mean? But even that, then the, to, to carry that process through and it's not manage it. Yeah. It's not, not it, it's, it's significant, it's right? It's very significant. You know, where I can manage 10 cultivation facilities remotely without any of the headache of, you know what I mean? Like the, the human resource piece, right? You know what totally. I mean? Like they, they've got their own staff. They've got their people they trust and that, that, you know, come in and grind for them every day and go to bat for them. Right. So when sounds you, like a smart approach. Did you see what was happening in the industry initially? And you're like sort of observing it and learning kind of thing. And, and it sounds like you didn't go two feet in and, and, you know, make a big fuck up catastrophe where you're like, Oh shit. Well, if you know, if, it's kind of like a smart way to do it. If we would have got into <laughs> the market under lush as a flower brand when I wanted to, then this conversation would be very different. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yep. Cause we were not ready then. And yeah, we wouldn't have made it. You know, it would have been a massive failure. We would have raised, you know, five, 10, 15 million to put it together and we would have lost it all for sure. No doubt in my mind. Right. But now that I didn't, have that happen i've watched the market you know what i mean and decided to build a brand on the legacy side for a while and it gave me time mm -hmm. to to kind of see what's happening right you know and to was... sort of like again like the the slow observation and seeing things develop and you know learning through retail it just it's a smart way to do it it's uh it's commendable for sure well, and you know what but it's happened organically like it wasn't like hey this is a good plan let's follow it it was kind of just like right you know, like we're at A, like how do we get to B? Okay, we're at B, how do we get to C? And just like the map kind of lined up well that it was like yeah. along the way we learned. But it wasn't like this conscious like beforehand plan where like, oh, we're going to do X, Y, Z and get to the end result. Yeah. That's, I don't know. I, <laughs> I've never been the most organized guy. So to like think that I would think through an entire plan like that yeah. and execute on it is, I'd be a little, <laughs> a little if I said I did, you know, like you mentioned raising money too. I, I feel like that might be a bad route for a lot of these operators. Like, I don't know what your yeah. sort of structure yeah. is, but did you raise money or are you just sort of like bootstrap, um, figuring it out and making the next rung? Like for us now, I mean, like what gave us the ability to move into the market, um, like we did is the fact that you can do it that way, bootstrapping it. You know what I mean? Like, you need some capital and you're not going to walk in with nothing and build something, but like you don't need, you know, seven, eight figures right. to build something. You know what I mean? You got to be resourceful and you've got to be willing to work yeah. right, and put the time in, but. And listen to the signals coming back from you well, as, it. as, you, as you, you develop You can't go it. in bullheaded and just say, like, this is the way, like you have to go in with an open mind and see what the market's telling you. And it's, but that's the same thing with cultivation. So most growers are okay with that. Mm -hmm. You go in with an idea, right? But then the plants tell you it's otherwise. It's sort of like Something you feel it out as you're going. And, and you have to make the change and adjust, yep. right? So Nice. There's the, uh, you've expressed a lot of gratitude on uh, your various pages, etc. How do you approach, um, you know, not spirituality, but sort of like what's your attitude that you bring to the business and the uh, community in that sense? Like... Um, I mean, like, there was a time in my life, and I've spoken openly about this before, there's a time in my life where, like, you know, mental health wasn't great, you know? So, like, 
coming through, like figuring out a way to like get through that part of my life, you know, and then come out the other side definitely gave me a different perspective to be like grateful for, you know, for every day and mm-hmm. grateful for the ability to do all the things you can do in a day, you know, and it's like, yep. so that, that kind of translates into kind of everything we do, right? Well, for me anyways, for my personal day to day, like, you know, so for some people it's hard work. For some people it's like, sweet, I get to go and do X, Y, or Z, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and to me, like, you know, I, I, I'm essentially living my dream, right? I'm, I'm doing like exactly what I want to do. Like, even if this didn't pay me money, mm-hmm. right? Which to be honest with you, it doesn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're all pay. hoping one yeah, day. Yeah, you know man. what I mean? But like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, even like hypothetically, if it was like, hey, like you can just do this just because you enjoy it and you make zero dollars, yeah. I would still do it. I mean, like maybe, not, maybe not to the time dedication that I do now just because I'd have to find another way to generate revenue in my yeah. life. But like, I would still do it with all my spare time. So, right, right, right. That's so it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's just like when I really think about it, like, like I said, I don't consume a ton, right? And so sometimes when I do consume like a lot, like intentionally, like I'll just go to the moon. Like I can guarantee you I get higher than most people can. <laughs> like way higher, you know? Like my tolerance is not very good, <laughs> but like I have the advantage of I can get way higher than all my friends. <laughs> You know, so it's like there's like one day, like a couple weeks ago, I just like smoked out all day and I was just fucking blitz. And I was went in the flower room and I'm just standing there looking and I'm just like, wow, this is what I do for a living, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like this moment yeah. of like, what the fuck? You yeah. Know? Yeah. But it's it's pretty cool. So, I mean, it's hard not to be grateful, grateful when totally. you're doing something you love. But I mean, like, but I was I, I felt that way about life before I started doing what I loved. I, mean, right. I was still doing something I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like not really chasing my passion or like I am now, where yep. before it was like just happy to like be healthy and like of of sound mind to be able to you know interact and do all the things you get to. Most people take advantage or to just you know big time. They don't they don't think about you know what it means to be able to have like just like nice happy easy day. You know yeah. what I mean? Like totally take it for granted that always it's the next like, thing yeah right you know it's like just look at the sky like there's trees that are growing right there eh? right they're feeding you oxygen and you i know like, that's how what? i actually got into you know? starting kindling was like i had this experience where i went through a, a rough patch um quit drinking and then took a uh a capsule actually right right after it legalized and went for a run and i had the exact that exact experience like i'm yeah. not very i'm not i don't know about genetics i'm yeah. very new <laughs> but had this moment where it was like running up uh shaw i think and like i was like it was just a moment of like i don't know gratitude whatever the sun shining through the That's leaves it. are rustling it was i was like totally present in the moment in yeah. that one moment yeah and it like hit me i got the chills and yeah. i was like all right everyone's got to fucking feel this so i'm starting a business let's yeah, go hey, that's, then, that's, yeah. that's, that's that's where dope, it was came. yeah that's super cool and so like um my thing with mental health and and just health in general with cannabis and like wellness and lifestyle mm-hmm. is like that's how i start, got into it and was really passionate about it like cbg and like sleep yep, and this yep. and function and all that and it doesn't resonate in the market like it's not like i went all in on these sort of um the content about it and like really mm-hmm. educating mm-hmm. and no one fucking cares like it's just like yeah, high thc what? and like you know how much can i get for this much kind of thing i don't know I th- maybe I you think, see it from a different way no no i agree with you i think a lot of that is just the current state of the economy and like where we're at as as a population right now you know what i mean like it's like what's the highest i can get and here's how much money i have like 
there's there's always going to be that but i think that market like the market as a whole and like that perspective is going to slowly change that's actually funny we had this conversation i was talking with um frankie who's our, our main like sales guy my homie since we were kids um about it today and i said um he was talking about doing we we're just talking about like just like bars for this like little like freestyle thing right and it was something about thc and i'm like Yo, like put it in there that we don't care about THC. You know what I mean? Like, don't say the number. Just say we don't care about it. Yeah. You know, like, cause the way the line was like has this much THC, and then I was like, yo, change it to like we don't give a fuck about the THC. Right. You know? Right. Um, and I was like, you know what, dude? I'm like, if we can grow good enough flour, that we can finally be the ones that can start to change like the narrative of like THC. You know, like everyone's talked about it, but I was like, I don't know if we'll be the ones to do it, but someone's gonna be able to execute good enough that people trust the weed enough mm -hmm. that they'll just follow you and they'll go wherever you tell them to go in terms of a, of what genetic is you know is the best right now right and eventually that won't be based on the number on the bag or the jar it'll be based on trust that like you know every time these guys drop something new it's always fire yeah you know like i'm gonna try it and so uh, you're you're extending that thought from like brand building where you think like being able to build the drip into um a brand that's you know everyone's aware of and they're aware of the fact that you have this philosophy um and you're piling in on that so to speak a little bit yeah i think so um it's like when i think of like us like you know the drip as a brand and like what it stands for to me it's two things one it's you know coming with with exclusive new flavors right stuff that you know, no one's seen yet and i know they haven't seen it because we made the genetic in-house do you know what i mean like right coming with something that legitimately nobody has seen. You know, it's not a pheno hunt of like some other breeder's gear that like a hundred people or a thousand other people are growing and you just have your own cut of it. Like we're talking something new that no one's seen. It's ours. We No one can argue that like mm -hmm. it's a cut from here or there. Like we bred it, here it is, here's the flavor profile. Something new, what, whatever that profile is because all of our selections when we pheno hunt is based on flavor profile. Right. So the very first run, all we do is just go through and look for like what is terpy and unique, you know, unique terp profile. And that's like the first criteria to get through that first round of testing. Yep. Um, and then we start to narrow down which one's going to be commercially viable and that kind of do stuff. Do all but, that yeah, paperwork stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like really run the plant through a couple of times in a good environment to get a good idea of where it's going to go, um, you know, and then make a decision on what's to keep. So that's number one for us is like flavor. And then um, the other piece for us is that, like I said, we want to work on building something that people trust for quality. So like new flavors and people have faith in, in the product being consistent. So it still comes back to your early, the first days, product S speaks. That's, that's, that's it. it. At the end of the day, Love people it. will complain about a market, complain about yes. this, that, and the other. <laughs> yes, they will. At the end of the day, good weed will always sell. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, this market is as wacky as it is. Like, we have a market, though. Yeah. That's and, pretty cool. And, and I'm a, grateful for that. There's right? a lot of money coming into that market. Like, True. it's not like consumer sales are low. Like, right, right. Like, it's just figuring out it's figuring how it can how make to, for the most amount of yes, people, basically. Yes, but. So we had uh, our friends, Disciplined Stoners, um, on. I've been on their podcast. Cool. Um, watched you on theirs, Disciplined Stoners, and you mentioned the story of getting popped with uh, your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I got to hear this. Yeah, okay. So uh, I didn't really get into too much detail. So 
so yeah, we were, it was like three days before Christmas. I was 18 at the time. I want to say we were 2001 maybe. Yeah. I think 2001, something like that. Um, 2002. Yeah. I'm born in 84, 2002. So a few days before Christmas and I had a friend of mine I had to stay with us for a while before, um, you know, he came back and he's like, Hey man, like, you know, need a place to crash, whatever. Like, can you help me? So, I mean, we're friendly weed smoking family like of course bro come in you know what i mean like whatever mm-hmm. like, we got you we'll take care of you it's fine you know but I, we were growing at the time and i said look like because when he was with us before we weren't growing so i said look like you know we're growing like we're doing some things like i just can't have any any issues around here you know and no bullshit but no shit like cause i knew i knew he'd been <clears throat> in and out of trouble so uh you know and i gave him like you know straight up like this is what it is like you know, if, if you've got, if you feel like that might be a, a, the scenario, like, let me know, like, I'll drive you anywhere you want to go. I'll mm-hmm. give you some money, like whatever, like, you know, we'll make sure it's cool. But like, I just can't have any issues, you know, like nothing. Oh no, I, if I show up for my own reconnaissance, uh, I'm on my own reconnaissance. If I show up for my court date, I'm, I'm good. I've never been in trouble. I don't fucking know what that means, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, okay, cool, bro. Like, Sounds I, good to me. Yeah. Like I trust you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so then like a day later, fucking they came to look for him got him right and then so like here's the kicker so they come inside and um my mom had went and got him and like hey like you gotta go whatever right you know and i guess they came inside and they looked and kind of like seen some bongs and stuff like that and so it's like like again pre-legalization right so it's just like okay now we have that's a crack pipe <laughs> well that's time. it but but now we have reasonable grounds for suspicion that we could do whatever we want now do you know what I mean? Like that was the mentality at the time. Yeah, you know, that, totally. That early 2000s, right? Yeah. Um, so, so they questioned my mom. My mom said, like, look, like my kid's 18. Like I'd rather him smoke weed in the house than fucking be out driving his car, party and do whatever. Like I'd rather him smoke here in the safety of his home. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and that's what it is, right? So I think the cop was going to be cool about it. Was this going to leave? Well, then the guy that was staying decides that he wants to dip off the front porch and run because the cough didn't the, or the, the cough didn't cuff him right so they didn't cuff him so he decides he's gonna run Fuck. so then now they're chasing him calling for backup right now they're pissed yep so then obviously shit hit the fan so i think there's a good possibility if he just would have like got in the car yeah. and went quietly that probably would have been the end of it yep but they came back like full force like <sighs> everything canine unit like all the works bro like i drive by my drove by my house and there's like all like the the cube van looking things i'm like oh man like i only have like four plants in there and i already sold all the weed this morning so we're good like like, there's not really that much going on in there but like i mean at the time like growing weed was obviously like it's controlled substance at the time it was uh it was um what's it called it was um an indictable offense at the time. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like a, it was like it wasn't like a petty crime at the time. Your no production of a control. I got arrested substance. for smoking weed outside a theater. Like and speaking of that probable cause yeah. shit, it was just like, it, and then they searched my car because they thought they smelled it in the car. It's like, what yeah. the fuck is happening? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Come yeah, on. Yeah. So yeah, so that's how I went down. They, they, uh, yeah, they came for him and they got me. <laughs> oh my god! So how mad were you at him? really mad i didn't yeah you know i don't know i don't even know if i've ever actually talked to him face to face since oh really yeah like i don't think like some of my friends came across him at a party or something like many years later ran and, again 
and things didn't go well as uh, far as I was told. You know, I didn't, I'm not about that. Like, whatever mm-hmm. it is, what it is. Like, you know, I, I'm not happy about it, but I'm not much of one for revenge. It's kind of like whatever. You know what I mean? You fuck me once, it's the only opportunity you're gonna get. Yep. You know, like I'm not coming back for whatever. For more. But yeah, so no, I haven't seen him again since. But uh, yeah, the boys, the boys did run into him afterwards. <laughs> oh. Well, here's the problem though, it's, and it wasn't even for me. It wasn't even for me. It's because the whole crew respected my mom that was it gotcha you know what i mean because my, my mom was cool right you know so they had a lot of respect for her right you know so when they heard that that went down and she was a part of it that was like, not uh, that was not okay you know if it was just me like whatever you know be like <laughs> like you got mom eh? you walk like, in they're hanging out with them like hi <laughs> dude they were pissed man they were really mad about it and i was mad about it too but like yeah they they yeah, they they they, they let it be known they were mad. Yes. Yeah, um. They, they so your mom, uh, speaking of, is still involved with the business yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So so yeah. So she kind of helps a little bit with the greenhouse. So all of our, not all, majority of our first like pheno hunt stuff, the first rounds are done in the greenhouse. Um. We just got like an automated light depot on there and some automated irrigation. So it's super low input, low labor. Um. We make some hash with the product or we make a shit ton of seeds one of the two is mm-hmm, all we do mm-hmm. with it so it's i'm not that worried about the end result coming out of there yeah but mom uh, that's that mom's spot um she uh yeah she kind of helps with uh you know make sure reservoirs are full and i'm picturing like a mother hen sort of guru who knows everything and kind of like make sure everything like make sure nah, the trains run on time a little bit nah, no nah, she's she's more just hey like just like she stays on top of us and make sure that you know we don't do anything stupid and we clean up after ourselves and make sure you know all the good stuff but like oh, yeah. no nah, she's like she got like they got nine eight or nine dogs bro so it's oh, like fuck. she's a dog mom like through and through you know so it's like all her all her focus is like making sure all the the pack is Yep. Is, is cool right um now she just she helps here and there where she can and um you know and i appreciate it from her because uh she was the one that gave us the green light to do it you know when we were kids mm-hmm. you know because she's just felt strongly like you know it's, it's a plant yeah you know and, and they don't have the right to take our freedom you know definitely to not. work with this plan and, and have it as a part of our lives like they don't have no one has the right for that i don't care what the laws say no one has the right right you know so like that was her opinion early on and that kind of like built my like stance on it as well obviously when your mom feels that way you know what mm-hmm. i mean as a kid and you see it growing up it's like okay like you know like i'm i feel comfortable feeling that way too you know and, and just rationally thinking about it like it doesn't make sense and if something yeah. doesn't make sense you yeah. kind of push against it and well, question it, it right? right but her her like open mind to it and like her her opinion on it is why i'm sitting here today that's beautiful. I love you know that. What I mean? yeah. Like if it wasn't for like openness to like, let me cultivate there at a young age, I would never got the passion for it. Never got the bug. Right. I never would have chased the dream later. You know what I mean? It was cause those early days she was cool with like, you know, within reason it wasn't like we were like lighting the house up. You know what I mean? Like you want to grow a couple plants in the closet, go ahead. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. Cause it honestly sounds like a like, great hobby for a child. Like uh, not a child. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, go, yeah. like growing and growing a plant and fucking yeah, yeah. managing it. Like it's pretty, pretty and like, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then like understanding, like if you put the work in and you like study and learn. Right. You know what I mean? Like that it's there's cool. that, that, you know, like, so like, like I said, like my, my early days of studying and really like trying to educate myself. The first thing I ever really learned, learned was growing weed. Right. Because I, I, I wanted to learn enough that I was willing to spend the time to read the books and like get all the info I could. Yeah. And really put my mind to it. You know, like there's nothing else beforehand that excited me enough or got my attention enough that like 
could get me to focus like that. You know, that was the totally. first thing where I was like, Hey, like, this is it, man. Like, that's what I mean about the, you guys, like the types, like the, where, you know, when you guys are unleashed on the pl- it's just like this engineering and uh, anyway, yeah, that's great. I'm, uh, I'm getting looks to shut up and end this, but, um, <laughs> I got a couple more questions I got to yeah, ask yeah, yeah, you about. So the, um, the rolling tray in the bag, can you tell me about the, f- the thought uh, behind that? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're like, I mean, as most people have realized, we're pretty big fans of the California market. Um, been kind of like a student of that, right. that market for a long time. Um, so that's kind of like, there is a couple companies out at West that were doing it and no one had done it up here yet. Um, and I was like, well, I think it's a good idea. Um, personally, I like it. I like the idea that it's like, we're kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit. You know what I mean? Do you have any legal issues with it? Where we didn't. Push- oh, we okay. didn't. Like, cool. obviously, our, our QA team was, you know, like, advising us on, like, the possible outcomes, right? Um, but, you know, I was of the stance of, like, hey, like, we've been doing shit that we weren't supposed to do. Since day for, one. For 20 years. Yeah. And that's why we're here in this market is because there's enough people that were willing to do the shit that you told them they weren't supposed to do. And the people that followed the rules exactly are all out of business, it seems like. That's it, right? Like, you've got to, like, within reason, push the boundaries. So that's totally. that was, like, the thing. I was like, I want, like, a protective tray because I don't want smush buds. Yeah. But I also like the idea of, like, having a dope little tray in there to roll yeah. on. I mean, I can't call it a rolling tray or I'll get in trouble, right? But, you can't call it a rolling tray? I mean, we could. But we couldn't advertise as a rolling tray in there. Do you know what I mean? Now we're advertising an accessory, right? Which I so can't stupid. do, right? So, so d- don't, don't you guys use it as rolling, <laughs> a rolling tray? Oh, yeah. It's a bud protector, goddammit. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Um, all right, I'll wrap up a little bit. I got a lot more questions. We could do a couple. Uh, that's more okay. Hours we'll, on we'll, this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do we'll another. We'll circle one. back in six we'll months do or a so. See where Shut. we're at then, you know? Yes, exactly. I want to know uh, what's next for the drip. What's next for you? Like- okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're pushing hard to try to uh, build the line. Um, we submitted a bunch for the spring launch. So we're hoping to, to get approval on a handful of SKUs. Um, everything's flow through for us because we like the idea of controlling our inventory and like managing it and mm-hmm. understanding how long something's been yep. sitting in a small container for like storage method yeah all that kind of stuff right so so i'm hoping because we did we submit everything through flow through that we'll get a higher approval you know than normal because i'm pretty stingy about giving out giving out some SKUs before you know for us you have been or the ocs has been yeah we haven't we've applied for a lot and haven't got them so that's kind of like for the brand side right now that's uh what's coming um we want to do a few other three and a halfs like all rotative same idea so we want to have a candy line as well as a gas line so we'll rotate different candy flavors rotate different gas flavors cool. and then pre-rolls to match pre-rolls to match the flavor club um and then we've tried to do uh 14 for the flavor club and then we want to try to do a seven by seven so two by seven for a 14 nice. so it'd be half gas half candy so cool. we'll see we'll see if we get approved it's a lot of innovation yeah I like something that. a little different like, yeah let's totally. try, right let's see you know like and it, that all stems from like our like kind of understanding our, our like what we've learned on consumer behavior and people wanting to try new things on a fairly regular basis like you know our our niche market or like the, the heavy daily smokers they want to try something new so you know let's try to keep stuff rotating all the time so that it's something new coming love it yeah all right folks uh josh thanks for joining me thanks i appreciate me, it everyone uh, visit uh shopkindling.ca to order uh, all your the drip needs oh. i appreciate you coming by oh, cheers guys thank you thanks <laughs>